0: Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. Hallelujah. 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 You know... As a pastor, I would that all of you would set your day in motion like that. That each one of you would have a prescribed time in your day that we would sometimes refer to as the word devotion. And where you would say to God, I am devoted to you. I am truly devoted to you. And then use tools like this to just begin to get in worship. Let me tell you something about worship. Worship doesn't mean that the problem is going to go away immediately. But what it does is gets the burden off you. The Bible says when you put on the garment of praise, it lifts this spirit called heaviness. And heaviness is over the earth right now. Yeah, You know, when the spirit of God moved, it says that the earth was void. And without any form. And there is a voidness in our nation right now. There's a voidness in our world. And worship has to come on the scene. There were armies that were against nation. And when worship came on the scene, God caused the enemies to literally turn on themselves. When there was worship among God's people and shouts of triumphant victory in Jesus, walls came down. When the church, the New Testament church, got up into the upper room and prayed, they didn't just pray, they praised. And the presence of God filled that room. And the fire of God, he said, came into that place. And the power of God was like, Covenant tongues of fire and he said it, it lit on every head yeah. everybody say fresh wind, fresh wind. and fresh fire. fresh fire that's what God wants to happen in this arena that we're living in this yeah. dispensation some might say that we're living in God wants you to experience the fresh wind yeah. and fresh fire how do we do that? Yeah. you start with praise Why do I say that? I'll back it up scripturally. Enter. Enter, he says. You and I are to make an entrance. Every day, God gives you an opportunity to make an entrance. And he says, your entrance should be like this. Enter into his gates. Do you understand why I was trying to get you to start to come in with an attitude of gratitude? You know what? uh, For 25 years, we are at our 25th year anniversary even this weekend. We had 25 years. But for 25 years, I felt like the Lord is saying, son, keep telling people, stop coming in and having so many meaningless conversations and have some conversation with me. It has been my heart's desire. Sometimes it's been my heart's cry. Lord, when will people come in and their first thought would be Jesus where that first action would not be, my first action is not my office. It's not the pantry. My first actions that I want when I come in here Amen. is Jesus. Yes. This is why I come in, and, and yes, you can come if you say, Pastor, you know, I'm going to start coming in here with you early. Come on in here with me early because you're going to just find me right on my knees, Amen. right on my face. Because I don't know what to do. I've got to get my eyes on Jesus. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to do from the pulpit to the to worshipers. You don't know what to do in audio and visual. You don't know what to do in prayer. You don't know what to do even as we're here until we consult Jesus. We don't know what Jesus wants. I don't really, you know, I start preparing. I'm always preparing. How I many of you realize you learned a lot of things in your academic books that it was preparing you for what you need to do, but you don't know what part of that book. How many of you remember having those textbooks like this? But sometimes it's just a portion of what was in that textbook that you need to do. And see, each day, God says, every day has enough in it that you need to just be focused on what has he got you to do today? So you see, some of you, you're worried about what tomorrow is going to be, what the summer is going to be, what the fall is going to be, what winter is going to be, what this is going to be. No, God said, I'll take care of that. Will you focus on what I'm focused on today? Today, right now. What is it that I'm saying to you? Will you get that instruction? Will you hear that voice? Will you not follow the voice of a stranger and will you obey? Hallelujah. Come on, bless your neighbor, greet them as you're sitting down on your way down, just bless your neighbor, greet them this morning. Those of you at home that are joining us this morning, I want you to quickly get your Bibles because we're going to get into the word. The Lord told me to conclude this message on understanding his voice. And I said, Lord, why at this time would I be preaching such a message about understanding your voice? Because he says, I'm speaking, but people are not listening. I'm speaking, but people are not listening. I say, Lord, I can understand that because there are sometimes when we instruct people to do one thing, they do two other things beside it. Hear in his presence, but not necessarily listening. And so this morning I said, Well, then how do I open this Lord God? Do I just go back and like I normally I like to do? I'm 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 pretty systematic in terms of, you know, do a recap and then go further if you can. So the Lord says, Take them to two ladies in the Bible that they're familiar with. When it comes to listening to God's voice, folks, there are some things where you just have to stop. How many of you know? I was at a funeral yesterday, and the pastor was basically saying this out there, and he was saying, You know, the whole world had to come to a stop. We had gotten so busy as a people that God just said, Look, stop. How many of you know realize that there are things that you have stopped doing in the course of a year? There are places that you just stop going in the course of the year. How many of you remember after church, you would say, well, what restaurant are we going? And after a while, God says, you don't need to go to no restaurant. You just need to go into my presence. I know what's happening now is that we're shifting back, and God is is really saying, but they're not understanding. I don't want them to shift back into old, familiar ways. There are some familiar spirits that God doesn't want you to become re-familiarized with. He wants you to hear his voice and to keep moving forward in the things that he's calling you to in these last days that we're living in. And I trust me, I just truly know that we're living in the last day. I'm going to give you two scriptures because I want you to find both of them simultaneously. We'll dissect them one by one. Then we're going to pick up on those seven ways where one should be able to test and be assured that whatever impression they're getting and they feel like this is God speaking to me, they will be able to put it to that test. And to know, yep, it meets all of these seven points. So that's God speaking to me. That's God. We're not wanting to get half of the equation. We you have to get the whole thing now. Luke chapter 10 is the first scripture that I, I want you to find. Luke chapter 10, and we're gonna look at verses 38 through 42 in there. Luke chapter 10, and we're gonna find verses 38 through 42. I'll probably have it up on the screen in an NIV translation. And then the second scripture that I want you to find is John's. And I want you to go ahead and mark it so that we can move through. When we move out of Luke, we're going to move right over to John. We're going to be in the 12th chapter, but we're only going to tackle one verse there. And it's going to be the second verse of the book of John in that 12th chapter, John chapter 12 and verse 2. We'll go there secondly. So uh, initially, Uh, If you've got your Bibles, and if you don't, uh, just look forward. Uh, Those of you who are here, those of you at home, I I trust that you have some way of accessing a Bible, and that you are are being able to find Luke chapter 10. And we're going to look at verse 38 through 42. Now, starting at the 38th verse. And Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and he came to a village where a woman named Martha, opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. And I want you to circle that in your Bible. Martha was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. You know that there are a lot of people who are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed. Or indeed... Everybody say it with me. Only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Let's go to John now, chapter 12. Let's look at verse 2, and we'll come back, and we're going to move forward from here about understanding the voice of God. I would like for you to read this one with me. Do you mind? John chapter 12, verse 2. Here at dinner, come on, read with me. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those rending, or uh, reclining at the table with him. God is looking for you to come in and recline at the table with him. A lot of people are worried. A lot of people are still stressed. A lot of people are still fearful. A lot of people are still doubtful. A lot of people are still saying, I'm taking precautions. And in some ways, perhaps I'm saying to you, you may be becoming a little careless, let me say, say to you, here's the one thing that you must see in a positive way about Martha. Go back to Luke, uh, at that beginning of, uh, of Luke there in Luke chapter number 10 and verse 38. Where was Jesus? In Martha's home. See, God, I, I believe God's in your home. I believe that those of you at at home right now watching and viewing, I believe that God's in your home. However, are you listening to God while he's in your home? Do you realize that God's in the home with Martha? But Martha, what did did I ask you to circle? circle? Martha was what? Folks, you can be in your home, God can be in your home, and yet you can be what? distracted. Why? Because we're focused on so many other things. We're stressed out perhaps about so many other things. How I many of you ever went to somebody's house and, and and I mean you could tell they have put some time in their preparation. I mean they've got all kinds of forks and knives and plates and bowls and, and and they got so much stuff on the, as we would say, the serving line, and you realize they have put some time. But did, did do you realize that sometimes you don't need all that? How many of you ever went to somebody's they had so much you ate, but boy, you couldn't eat all that. All of that wasn't necessary. Some of you think, oh, I have gotta go through five courses. You don't need all of that. How many of you know in the summer you don't need all that food? (laughs) This is for somebody's health. I don't know why God took me there. This For your health, you don't need all that. I believe that God's trying to help you to go light so that he can lighten the load on some of you. Some of this is wearing your joints out. Some of it is wearing your heart out. Some of this is wearing your arteries out. God, you can tell me when I can stop talking about this. Somebody's just wearing you out, and God is basically saying, you don't realize you are just, you, you're, you're overdoing it in areas, but you're, because you're so consumed with this stuff, you are so distracted that you are not in a place where you're hearing God's voice anymore. You're not like Lazarus, the, the brother. You're not like Mary, the sister, who Mary's the, the scripture says she's at his feet. says, Lazarus, Reclining. You'd think that Lazarus wouldn't want to recline since he'd been reclined for a while. At least four days. (laughs) But he's reclining now at the table. And what are they doing? Listening. Do you understand the Spirit of God is still saying to us what He said to the churches in the book of Revelation? He who has an ear, we need to be what? Hearing. And hearing what? What God has to say, which it, 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 it implies this. We have a God, Our this God that is our God is speaking to us. That this God loves human beings so much that he speaks to human beings. That this God who speaks to human beings has something to say to us. But it's a matter of, do I want to hear? Do you realize that there are times when people don't want to hear you? Do you realize that there are people who don't want to hear God right now? Do you realize that there are people that are focused on, I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, where I want to do it, and with whom I want to do it. And they will choose to ignore God. I pray, I desperately pray that you won't be that kind of person that you are choosing to disobey God, you are choosing to ignore God, or you are so busy that you are distracted and do not hear God. And so this is why this teaching on understanding the voice of God and when God is speaking, will you stop? Do you realize that she came and she basically is asking Jesus, change this setting. Change the direction that you're going, Jesus so that my sister Mary might start going in the direction that I'm going. folks. this is not about you following mama or papa or your cousins or your best friends or him or her or them or culture, ethnicity. This is about following Jesus. Somebody say, follow Jesus. there's a lot of people not understanding the voice of God, and they're just following. Do you know you're following somebody? But the question is, who are you following? And the scripture says, my sheep know what? My voice. And the voice of the stranger, they will not what? Follow. You're following somebody. And it's important that if you are following, that you are following Jesus. And what I'm trying to and I have attempted to do in the last two weeks and now in this conclusion of this third week is to say, are you following God right now? Are you truly following hard after God? Are your priorities in the right place right now? I mean, you know, when the God talk, talk, starts talking about priorities, he says to us, seek ye what? the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If I were to say to you, and this is purely a hypothetical uh, way of putting this, if I were to say to you, hypothetically, that in order to get into heaven this morning, God would need you to calculate how much time you spent with him this week. Everybody over the course of Monday plus Tuesday plus Wednesday plus Thursday plus Friday plus Saturday and now even up to this point on Sunday morning, if you spent 60 minutes with me, you can enter into heaven. I'm looking out here now and saying, how many of you would be over here? how many would be saying, Lord, Lord? How many of your children would be in heaven? Or would you be a mom looking out there and saying, I'm in, but my child is out. Because I let them spend hours in video. I let them spend hours on my phone. I let them spend hours in the playground, other activities. But I did not uh, give them or take them into the presence of God for at least one hour. Do you remember Jesus having taken his disciples into a place called the Garden of Gethsemane and reminding them, could you not tarry for just what, one hour? Or did you get to a place all week long from Monday through now Sunday where you got, like Martha, distracted? I got to take care of this. I got to take care of that. I got to take care of him. I got to take care of her. I got to take care of my job. I got to take care of my yard. I got to take care of... But you didn't take care of what was the priority of heaven. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So I'm asking you, as you start to do that calculation, would heaven be your home? Or would you have missed it because you got distracted? Because you never really took time to get at his feet. You never took time to recline at your table with God. To be able to understand, God was talking to me. God had a message for me, but I didn't choose to listen. God had something to say to me this week, but I was so, my ear was inclined, my eyes were were, were focused on other things. This is why you hear me repetitively say for the last 25 years, I've been saying this as a pastor. People are in pursuit of lesser things. And so sometimes when I say things, people think I'm picking on it. I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm just trying to get you to focus I'm trying to get you to focus. There are places that people went this week that had other people in the midst. But when it came to this day, when the Lord said, don't forsake the assembling of yourself as a matter of some years, someone said, well, I'm not going to that place. So the house of the Lord is not a priority for you anymore. If your job says, you got to come back to work Tuesday. Folks are lined up. They might go murmuring and complaining, but they're there. Folks say, your children need to go back to school now. You have them at the bus stop. You have them dressed. You have their little backpacks on. You didn't get them up. You didn't get them packed with their Bible this morning to get into the presence of God. And I, I, I'm, I'm just telling you, folks... Well, Pastor, this is because you've you probably just been preaching too many funerals lately. I have. I preach a lot of you. We're last Saturday. One. This Saturday. Just yesterday. Two. Wednesday. Now another Thursday. And then the Lord says, just slow your pace now. Conserve your energy. Because there's going to be a moment where I'm going to tell you, Sprint. when you're running with a team when that shout comes kick sprint you want to look around and know that your whole team is sprinting and kicking you want to realize that all of us are getting to the finish line and folks the finish line is coming for many of us sooner than others and we must be about our father's business Many of you are saying, Pastor, what is God's will for me? What is Pastor's, what, what is you, you're not going to know God's will until you start understanding God's voice. Amen. I'm not going to be able to orchestrate everything that happened in your life. There are many things that God will not even let me know anything about or other people know about. He wants to talk directly to you. How many of you you are appreciative of time when people don't say what they need to say to you in the public, they pull you aside? God is wanting to pull many of you aside right now and begin to talk to you one-on-one. God wants you to know he knows your name. He knows everything about you. He knows every pain that you feel. He knows every disappointment that you've had. He knows every struggle that you've gone through, and he wants to talk to you about it. He knows every person that he wants you to encounter. He knows every word that he wants to proceed out of your mouth that will glorify him, and he wants to talk with you. What he's looking for in your response is, here am I, Lord. Here am I. That's what Mary's response was here as we look at Luke. Here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord. I'm amazed at people, even in church, who get mad with other church members because they don't think the other church members are doing as much as they are doing. That's that's my thing. you see. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I don't think the other people. See, folks, everybody has shape for that. This is where we left off. Let me just run real quick. I'm going to run through four of those points that we covered in the scriptures, and then we're going to pick up with the last three because the Lord told me, finish this, and I'm going to finish this. I'm going to obey my assignment this morning. So what was number one? If you have an impression on your life that you believe it's God's voice speaking to you, what was impre- what was the first test that you're supposed to do? Come on, I need that PowerPoint. What is it? does it agree with the Bible? If you believe that God is speaking to you, the first place that you have to take what you think God said to you is to the B-I-B-L-E. Does that agree? What I feel, what I'm saying or sensing is the voice of God speaking to me. Does it agree with the Bible? Because if it doesn't, folks, God doesn't contradict this word. There will be no contradiction in it. There will absolutely be no contradiction. How many of you know God changes not? Amen. God is the same what? Yesterday? Today? And it will be that way forevermore. So whatever God is saying to you, it will line up with his word. So if you feel like God is saying something to you that is contrary to the word, you can be assured that is not the voice of God. Amen? Amen? God wants you to know that you are supposed to know his voice, and the way that you know his voice is that his voice is always going to line up with his word. So the first one was, does it agree with the Bible? And yeah. see, God is never going to say to something to you that will have you disobeying the word or ignoring the word. The Bible says, the steps of a righteous man are what? Ordered by the Lord. So how does the Lord order our steps? In his word. Amen. Amen. In his word. I believe it was a, I can't remember, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was a, a group of women from the Baptist Convention Uh, that made a song that became very popular back in, I would say, the late 80s or early 90s. Order my steps in your word, oh Lord. Order my steps in your word. And that's what God does. He orders your steps by his word. The steps that you're taking, the choices that you're making, they're coming according to the word of god here's the second test remember i said you just can't go to one and say well i got that one i'll ignore the rest of the six no you got to take it all the way through you got to take it all the way through And, and and number two was this next slide please if i get an impression does this idea make me more like christ i really want all of you to put this in the front of your bible Oh, I, I, I pray that you would take it and you would write it down. You would take some tape or some glue or uh, you would type it out and that you would put it in the front page of your Bible or on the back cover of your Bible because you'll say, I want to remember what my pastor told me when it comes to understanding the voice of God. And so when I'm getting these impressions, when I think I need to do this concerning my husband, when, when, if I think I need to do this concerning my wife, if I think I need God telling me to do this concerning my children, if God's telling me to do this concerning my church, I'm going to take it through this test. Is that, it, it, does that line up with the Bible, this impression that I have? Does that make me more like Christ? And I'm telling you, there's some jacked up stuff that people do that they say God said do. There's objective things that they do, even in the body of Christ. There's subjective things that I felt like people have done toward me as a pastor. And they said, that was God telling me to do that. God won't tell you to abandon people. God won't tell you to divide people. God won't tell you to cause strife. How many of you know God is not the author of confusion? If it was God speaking, it wouldn't have caused confusion. It wouldn't cause strife. It wouldn't cause hurt. That's what he's trying to get Martha to see. He says, Martha, you're so distracted, you don't understand that you are responding to something that's religious for you. You want everybody to follow you. You want your sister to follow you. You'll probably come back later and say, can you get Lazarus up? Because I need him to move a few things. Slide a few tables around. God says, no, Lazarus is reclined at the table. Mary is sitting at my feet. See, folks, let me put it into you in 2021 language. People that are truly pursuing God right now, are locking into Bible study. Do you know that I am teaching on this very same subject at 12 noon every Wednesday, and I'm going much deeper than what I can do in this preaching? Where are you at 12 noon? Is that a place where you can take a lunch break so that you can get deeper with me on understanding the voice of God? We have another Bible study at 7.30. We're not even asking you to drive the Beltway, drive 29, drive Randolph or whatever direction you come. We're not asking you to spend time doing that. But we're asking you, get on your phone and get into this link. Get on your computer, join this link, and start hearing the Word of God. Where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? The The Word of God. The Bible says you and I are supposed to be building up ourselves in our most holy faith, praying, and then studying. My people, he said, are perishing. Why? Because of lack of knowledge. Why are they having a lack of knowledge? Because we're not always hearing God's voice. You're hearing the voice of too many strangers. We, 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 we think, I've got to hear what CNN, what Wolf, Wolf, whatever Wolf's last name is, I, I think I have to hear what he has to say tonight. I, I, I don't even know who the, the, the evening news people are anymore. After Walter Cronkite, I think I stopped keeping up. Some of you young people say, who is Walter Cronkite? Some of you are on your phone constantly. Oh, just got another message. No, oh, just got another Instagram you are instantly hearing something that's going to cause you to be more distracted from what you need to hear from God. The message that you have, and the most of the messages that you're getting is not good news. It's not good news. Sometimes I look at my outlook and a number of um, Messages that have come in, emails as they, you all would call them. The other day, I was like, huh, oh, I got 4,776 messages that I got to filter through. Trying to find out, is there anything in these messages that I really actually need to attend to? I mean, you get a lot of junk mail. I don't have one of those junk mail addresses either. I don't have a Gmail. I don't have a Yahoo or any other thing. I is all coming through uh, rainbowfamilychristian.org, hoping to filter out all of the stuff, but there's stuff that comes in that is not even relevant. And there are many times I'm just going through delete, 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 delete trying to get 4,700-plus messages off of my email. You know what? If I try to give attention to everyone, open every one of them up, I will be distracted to about what God is saying to me. How many of you know that you get a lot of email that is truly junk? How many of you realize that there are times when people are trying to talk to people and trying to share something meaningful with a person, and they say, uh, uh, just a minute? Because their little phone went, beep, ding whatever that little notification was. and you It's not God trying to notify you. You might not want to be distracted like Mary, so distracted that she can't really hear the voice of God. When you're hearing God's voice, whatever he's speaking to you, it's going to make you more and more like him. Let's go to the third of those slides, uh, if you would. Here's the third thing that you're supposed to be putting to the test. Read it with me. Does my church family confirming and then this is what I said about that I said all of you every one of you if you become a member of Rainbow Family Christian Center here's one of the expectations of Pastor Horace Drumming for you is that you get in a small group that you join a home sale that you are a part of a small group because these are others that God is putting in your life to help confirm some of this that you feel is an impression from God. And folks, I'm telling you, home sales will have people in them that are young and people that are more mature. When I say young, I'm not talking about your age. I'm talking about being maybe young in Christ. The Bible calls it being babes in Christ. And then there are those that are going to be in those home sales that are mature. The Bible says they're on the meat of God's word. And so they're going to be loving. They're going to be kind. They're going to be tenderhearted. But they're going to help you to stay on that straight and narrow path. And, and, and you should be able to say, I, I feel like God's speaking to me about this. And that person will smile with you and hear what you've got to say. But they're going to take you back to the B-I-B-L-E. And to help you to know this is how God speaks to us. This is how God is speaking to you, and that can't be God, or yes, that is God. You see, if you feel like God is speaking to you, and you can't say nothing to nobody, that is not God. That is not God. My wife, is. she tickles me. I, I don't generally say any or comment back when she's doing it. She was watching a movie and people are doing something. You know how that here. A voice is calling them. And they're just like, you know that don't sound like your husband. What you doing? Getting up out of bed. And you, you should be locking your door and calling 911. You should be getting on your knees and calling Jesus. You know that's not. You just know that. So you don't. You don't try to hide from others. What you say is a voice of God, because the Bible says your church really is that place that will help to, as it were, affirm his word for you. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. I feel like I, I need to stop here for just a moment. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 10. And, and, and so that you can if you can get that. You don't have to change the slide. I want them to find it in their own Bibles. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 10. Everyone, go there. Uh, if you don't know where Ephesians is, please go to your... Table of Contents in the front of your Bible, and then find that book. This is a, a book uh, in the book in the Bible that's written to the uh, believers at an uh, area called Ephesus. Ephesus is no longer one of those places that you'll find on the map anymore because the name has been changed. You know it as modern-day Turkey now. You know it as Turkey, the country of Turkey. That's Ephesus. I've been there, traveled there, looked at. Um, what we call ruins that, uh, or, or uh, archaeological finds that help us establish that the church was there, just like Paul said it was there. And so here's what Paul says to the church in Ephesus, chapter 3 now, uh, and I want you to find verse number, Ten. Uh, verse number 10. To the intent that now unto the principalities and the powers in heavenly places might be known. By what? The church. church. Everybody say the church. (laughs) Say it again, the church. The church helps you to know the manifold wisdom of God. There are grandmothers in here who could tell you some things if you would just submit. There are some grandfathers in here that if you would just sit down, See, sometimes, young people, I guess I'm speaking to you in regard to this. You think we are older than dirt and that we don't know nothing. You you think that we have, Ecclesiastes, I used this as a text in a a funeral yesterday. How many of you know there's nothing new under the sun? Ecclesiastes 3 says there's nothing new under the sun. The fabric that you're wearing, it ain't new. The style that you're wearing, it ain't new. The hairstyles you're wearing, it ain't new. The colors that you put in your hair, they ain't new. I look at some of the suits that you young men call straight leg, and we used to call them high waters. Ain't nothing new. I was going through my father's pictures, looking at him, looking at his brother. They had them all. Little short, tight suits. And I was like, I don't like a suit that stands up over my butt. You understand what I'm saying? The suits are all cut up here and tight. I can't wear that. Don't even be taking Miss Pat be sending me pictures of suits, and I'm like, girl, please, I ain't wearing that. <laughs> Sometimes I text back to her, did you fall and bump your head? <laughs> she be messing with me and Mr. Barry or some of that. Like, girl, that's an outfit. That, that, that's a clown suit. That ain't no suit. But nothing new under the sun. I look, look, all you have to do is I, I would say go back to the Motown days. I'm not asking you to go back into worldly. Well, I'm saying, look at the groups like the Temptations and the Four Tops, and look at the little suits they were wearing, same little suits that y'all buy now. And thinking, oh, it's so new. Oh, this is coming out of London, man. <laughs> Ain't nothing new. Ladies, all the little styles that you have, they've been in, they've been out. They, everything that comes around is just going to go around. And so God is trying to tell you there's nothing new under the sun. And see, this is my conclusion with people when I read the book of uh, Ecclesiastes. I tell them, the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon writing it, gets you into this mindset of repetitiveness where you actually want to quit reading it because it keeps saying vanity. Remember? Vanity, 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 vanity. And he's barely telling us we live life and don't realize that we're living life and all of this stuff is just vain that we're going through. I got to have this kind of sneaker. I got to have this. Man, your children are going to put pressures on you in a couple of weeks, parents. Because they're going back to school. And they're going to tell you Daniel, what kind of shoes do you want, Daniel? (laughs) What kind of shoes do you want, Daniel? Sneakers, Sneakers. what kind of sneakers, Daniel? Joy. 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 Daniel, I'll have to tell you the story of Stephon Marbury and Michael Jordan. You don't even know who Stephon Marbury is, do you? He was a great guard, played with the New Jersey, what is now the New Jersey Nets. Stefan Marbury and Michael Jordan were having this conversation, and Stefan Marbury told Michael Jordan, Michael, too many people, too many kids are killing each other over shoes. How many of you remember that era? then it got to the point where kids were throwing the sneakers up on the telephone wire because it was in memorial of somebody who had been killed over a set of sneakers. And so Stephan Marlborough said, Michael, let's put a little pressure on Nike because they're not paying very much to have these Jordans. That's right. How much do you think your Jordans are going to cost? I'm, I'm not picking on you, Doc. I call him Doc. How much do you think they're going to cost? Your daddy know, though. <laughs> Come on. Some of you other young people, how much is this Jordan? That they're likely gonna, what kind of Jordan do you want? He says, so, so they just need to be black. <laughs> what? Uh-huh. Uh huh. S- Sister Jackie, how much do those Jordans cost you? Oh, it was a gift. Sir. I didn't spin it out of my wallet. But how much do you think that gift costs? Nakia said, I got two sons, and they put the pressure on me, too. How much did that cost? $150. $150. <laughs> now, I don't even want to see your hands, parent, but I'm going to ask you, how many of you ever given your children $150 to give in an offering? How many of you even would consider giving your children $150, put, in the, put this honey in the offering plate? You look in your purse, can I find a quarter? Oh, I can't find a quarter, I got nickels. That nickel looked like a quarter. Here, take this, put this in. And so, Stefan Marbury kind of understood that too. This is probably too much. Pat and I certainly understood it because we were living in Korea at the time. We were realizing that people were making only $10 a week working 12 hours a day assembling your Nike, your Reeboks. Sheffron Marbury did ink a contract with the same company, but it wasn't going to have, you all have this little, uh, it's iconic, I, I, I can't do it, but you know what I'm talking about. I, I, it's Michael starting from the free throw line, and going to dunk the ball? This was, it was a slam dunk contest at an NBA All Star game. That that iconic little thing, that little iconic mark, was now put on to the shoe. This, I mean, then you have this Greek mythology sign on the side. Most of you parents don't even know it's Greek mythology that you got your house full of. But we don't take time to help our children to understand these things. And so Stephon Marbury, not even a Christian, realizing we need to do something different. We actually need to do something different. So they created a shoe, the Marbury and the Jordan. How do I know it? Doc, Daniel, So went to the factory. The shoes come off the same assembly line. They come down, same piece of rubber, same print, same bottom. One goes to the left, one goes to the right. One doesn't have all these little symbols on it. One they put the symbols on the side, little iconic symbol on it. One cost twenty dollars. The other now costs a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars or more, three hundred. Who's a fool? You take the shoes. Same shoe came off the same assembly line. Put one beside other beside, and say to the kid here which one do you want which one would you take doc he said I'm taking the one on the right cause it's got symbols on it see folks the bible says the love of money is the root of all the evil that happens all of the death that was happening because people love money they weren't trying to help the people who were in the factories working to have a better life they weren't trying to help their consumer and the client who was ba- buying this to have a better life. But we, this is why Christian education is so valuable. This is why sometimes I, I, I was an advocate. Yeah, I think all kids need to be in uniforms. Because they, they don't bully each other. They don't compare each other. They don't minimize each other. They don't criticize each other. In the military, that's what it's all about. That's why we call it the uniform. Do you notice that all military people look alike? Yeah. Haircuts are alike. <laughs> shoes are alike. Yeah. Some shinier than the others, but... <laughs> uniformity. Because they're saying, we're all one. We're all one. And that's all the Scripture's trying to tell us. We're all one. And see... It takes your church to help you to realize there's no big eyes and little use. A strong, mature church helps all of its members to realize every one of you are valuable. Say, I'm valuable. I'm valuable. Say it again, I'm valuable. I'm valuable. Say it again, I'm valuable. I'm valuable. Let's go to the four slides because that'll help us to even uh, to, to ensure it more. that You're valuable. So we're trying to test, is that God speaking to me? We said, we're going to our Bible. We're asking ourselves, is that what? Is that making me more like Christ? I'm going to other members in my church because I'm a part of fellowship. I'm a part of a small group. I'm a part of a growing organism. That's why we call them cells groups. Do you know that when you were a little child, your cells kept what? Multiply. How do you think the church is supposed to grow? Because we multiply. Because we grow, we mature, and we multiply. This is why I was a little uh, straightforward with some of the, the, the home sale leaders. And I said, if your home sale has been meeting for a year and you have not yet multiplied, you have now, you're on the wrong track. You are actually not in line with the, the will of what a small group is supposed to be about. Is more your group. Let's go to lunch, guys. Let's have a potluck, y'all. Oh, it, all that God showed his people to is equip people, help them to understand what they are shaped for. Slide number four, please. Come on, video team, I need you. Slide number four. Does it concern, does it concern my responsibility? How many of you know that sometimes people got their nose up in too much stuff? Got their hands up in too much stuff? How many of you remember, I'll tell you what a case in point in the Bible so that you can see it from there and you don't feel like I'm picking on you. Remember Peter, Jesus had just spoken to Peter, told Peter there are some things that he needed him to do. And then it says that the beloved was with Jesus. And we all have come to the conclusion that that's John. And, and, and Jesus is saying something to him. And, 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 and what he told Peter to do, Peter didn't feel like he told John that he needed to do it. You remember what Peter said to Jesus? He said, well, what about him? And I love the way that Jesus responds. I'm paraphrasing. Jesus said, what does that have to do with you? There's sometimes in, a, in church I realize people say, well, Pastor, you didn't, you didn't tell me what was going on. Well, did it have anything to do with you? Amen. Pastor, you didn't tell us about him or her leaving. What did it have to do with you? Yeah. Were well, they gonna make you more Christ-like? Was well, it gonna help you to mature in the things of God? Sometimes we, we just want to know stuff to be knowing yeah. stuff. It's not for the advancement of the kingdom. And so when it's God, if you believe. It, 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 it's you know, I, I'm tell you some one of the most reckless terms that I think has been in the body of Christ for a long time. The Lord told me to tell you. Right, <laughs> Lots of people run through congregation, feeling like, okay, I have this gifting, I have this thing from God, I interpret dreams, I interpret this, and I interpret that. And and, and do you know that God doesn't need to go through you to get to them? Everybody say, God God can speak speak straight straight to me. me. He really can. And most often, that's how we do it sometimes we become knuckleheads, and then God said, well, I'm going to use this person to help them to see that they're being a knucklehead right now. But God wants to speak directly to you. He doesn't need a middleman. He really wants to speak right to you. He calls people like myself to speak and be preachers and to equip, to teach, and to prepare people. But when it comes to something that he wants you to do, God wants to speak directly to you. And so when you believe that God is, you know, God told me to tell you, you might want to check that out and see is that God or is that just you wanting to make yourself look spiritual, spiritual, I've heard people tell some people to do something that I was like, what in the world, <laughs> Terry Bell? What in the world? I remember one person telling a child, when it comes to hearing God, you're going to have to hear me over your parents. It's like, pastor I ain't teaching none of that foolishness. Where did you get that? Why would you tell somebody that? God is never going to speak like that. Look, I bring into account that, yes, God will use other people speaking to speak into your life, but it's generally because you have not responded to his voice. How many of you remember when we started this teaching, I used the, 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 the example of Samuel? Remember Samuel, the little boy, getting up and saying, You call me? And Eli saying to him, Go back and lay down. And then on the third occasion, Eli speaks to Samuel, and he said, understanding that it was the Lord speaking to the child, he said, to say to the Lord, here am I. So God did not need to use a person, but it concerned him. It concerned Eli. God wanted to use Eli in that matter. God told me to tell you, Most of that has almost ruined the church. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to to help get people back on the right track because somebody said, the Lord said for me to tell you this. I remember a child that we had and Pat and I were helping this child and somebody told the child, you need to move out of your family's house and you need to burn all your stuff. That was not the Lord. I remember my grandmother on my dad's side got tied up in something that we now know was pretty much cultish. Because she was going to this place and people were telling her she needed to get this powder. She wanted her sons to to be saved and her sons were acting the fool. You know what I'm talking about. And they said, well, you just get this and you sprinkle it in their shoes. Folks, that is nothing but witchcraft. And some of y'all in this stuff. Some of y'all still letting people read your palms. All you need to do is get you some, what is that stuff we be putting on our hands, some sanitizer and just clean your palms (laughs) and stop having people read your palms. That's foolishness, folks. This is foolishness. That's witchcraft. That's contrary to the word of God. Some of you are looking and saying, I need to know my astrological sign. God says that's necromancer. That's sin. That, that, that's contrary to the Word of God. And there are people who are church people. You are still wearing stuff. You're still talking and asking people, What's your sign? Oh, I'm Aquarius. You ain't no Aquarius. you ain't not even in an aquarium. Yeah, but <laughs> come on. Get out of that foolishness. That's, that's they're going to read the stars. You might just want to look at the stars, but there ain't nobody reading. Even foolish people at Christmas talking about, we're going to sell you a star. How many of you remember a pet rock? <laughs> <laughs> there are people who went out and bought rocks, calling a pet. Oh, this is your pet. <laughs> you know, sick of rock. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who came up with the crazy idea made a million dollars, though. A million dollars worth of fools. A million dollars worth of fools. God doesn't want us to be foolish. But one of the things that God doesn't want us to be is in gossip. God doesn't want us to be saying God said and God didn't say. So God will only involve you in something if it concerns you. Even there are times when God needs to speak to my wife, and it doesn't concern me, he speaks directly to her concerning that matter. He doesn't have to go through me to speak to her. He doesn't have to go through her. And let me just say that for all of you who feel like y'all need to go through Miss Pat to get to me. that ain't going to change what God has said to me. Amen. I love her. I'll hear what she's saying. She'll convey that message, but folks, God's not working that kind of way. He's generally speaking directly to me, and he'll speak directly to you. Here's the, the next one, if you'll put the next slide up, and i, I want to try to finish this and let you go home. I get an impression of, I believe it's from God. It's going to be consistent with how God has shaped me. And you remember I said, I use that as an acronym. S stands for what? Spiritual gifts. God has given every one of us spiritual gifts. H stands for what? Heart. God will give you a heart for it, a passion for it, something that drives you, motivates you, because you, you got God's heart on that matter. A is for what? Abilities. Whatever God's calling you to do and, 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 and asking you to do, he's going to give you the ability to do it. My God shall supply what? All of your need according to what? His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He's going to give you the ability to do it. What is the P for? Your personality. Your personality is like no other person's personality. And God is going to give you the personality to get what you need to get done. And then E is what? The experiences. There are many experiences that you've had in this life that God will use those experiences to help other people. He will use that. Everything that you've gone through in your life, God can use it. How many of you know you may have played in the club? You may have sang in the club. You may have danced. But God just wants to take that and sanctify it so you can use it for, for what it was actually intended for, for his glory. Some of you are very dramatic. You are entertainers, man. You cause people to laugh. How many of you know people that, they just, I mean, they just, they just cause people to laugh. You really need to use that gifting in the body of Christ. You need to be a part of drama teams. You need to be a part of stage plays. You need to be a part of helping to bring the gospel alive to people. Amen. Yeah. You're shaped for it. That's your shape. And everything that you're shaped for, people can automatically tell it. How many of you know what this is shaped for? You can see it. See, people can see, spiritually speaking, people can see your shape. You know, if you don't like children and you're trying to work in children's church, Lord, have mercy. The children are miserable, you are miserable. The people working around you are miserable because you weren't shaped for that. And that's okay. But you are, say, I am, am. say, I am am shaped shaped for something something of value 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 and worth worth. in the body of Christ Christ. and in in my my local church. You really are. No church member should be a member of a church and be spiritually unemployed. You need to be involved in an area of contribution. Now, I'm not saying that everything that you can contribute to is already in place in the church. Some of you, God sent you because it wasn't here. And you have that. And it was supposed to be added to the church so that the church would, what, be able to be stronger and hearing God's voice and responding to the will of God. Some of you are called to prayer. You do that. Some of you are called to sing. How many of you know some of you are not called to sing? I mean, you may like to sing, but the problem is people don't like your singing. But the pastor the Lord said, make a joyful noise. He wasn't saying... (laughs) <laughs> in the choir. <laughs> in your car, in your home, among the congregation, make a joyful noise, but give you a mic. And there are times when there were people that were supposedly making joyful noise and I'd be sending notes back to the back. Can you cut their mic off? Can you cut their mic down? Come on, do you know if you're tone deaf? You, I mean, you up there, everybody else on another note, and you all over there? It's like me. I, I sang in a choir. And I was beside a, a, a gentleman who was a true tenor. And this boy would go up and catch notes. And, and I would hear it. How many of you th- think that you can catch some notes that people are saying? And when they get to them high notes and your voice starts cracking and breaking all up. And I remember the choir director taking me and he said, I need to move you. <laughs> he didn't kick me out. He just moved me. He moved me into a section with bass and baritone. He says, standing by this tenor, you lose all the direction that I need you to be going. And you're trying to catch tenor notes when you are not shaped. My vocal cords were not shaped to do tenor notes. Even when I'm in the shower, still trying to get a tenor note. (laughs) I scare myself. (laughs) Woo! That sounds really bad. How many of you you know put your little earbuds and you don't even hear yourself singing and you be out there and you be saying, Man, what is he listening to? Because that can't sound that bad. I remember I was on a cruise ship waiting one time and I had my little earbuds in and I got to singing. I didn't know how loud I was singing and my wife looked at me and nudged me hard. (laughs) Honey, (laughs) honey, please. Honey, please. You got to know what you're shaped for. I don't want to spend too much time there, but you understand where I'm coming from. Let's go to number five, number six and number seven. I'm going to follow in succession. Um, Number five, if I go back to number five, did I do number five? Oh, thank you. Number six is this. Is it convicting rather than condemning? Whatever God is going to speak to your heart, folks, it's going to convict you perhaps, but it's never going to condemn you. If you feel like God is speaking to you, he says, that was God speaking to me, but man, I, I feel so bad. I feel worthless. That's not God. If you're feeling worthless, how many of you know the scripture that says, I think it's Romans 8 and 1, isn't it? It says, for there, now there is what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Anything that God speaks to you is not going to begin to condemn it. It's not going to condemn you. It's not going to condemn others. There are a lot of times when people say, the Lord told me, but it's condemning. It's, it's condemning another person. Whatever God speaks to you, it's not going to condemn. God is always, anything that God's conviction, this is the difference between conviction and condemning. Conviction simply is God saying, you're doing something wrong and I want you to change. You're doing something wrong and I want you to change. Condemnation says you are doing something wrong and you're never going to get it right. You're worthless. You're not a good mom. You're not a good dad. You're not a good brother. You're not a good Christian. How many of you know the devil is an accuser? He is that too. Thank you. He is a liar. But he's also an accuser. He's always condemning you. And he wants you to condemn yourself. He wants you to give up. He does not want you to walk by faith. He does not want you to have a trust and a hope in God. And so if a voice comes to you, an impression comes to you, and it's condemning, it's giving you this sense that you're worthless, that you're never going to make it, that you're never going to get it right, that I want to quit, I want to give up, I want to commit suicide, or a thing like, you know, that's not God. He's not going to bring guilt and shame. But he will, with conviction, bring about change, change. That's what his focus is. It's about bringing change in your life. So we're talking about seven things that you need to test to ensure that it's the word of God. Amen? Amen. Uh, uh, anybody got an amplified Bible? You just got it right available right now? Amplified Bible because I'm going to have you help me preach for a minute. Even if you could find it back there for me in Maui, Amplified. Revelation 3.19, I think this will help you uh, in what I'm saying right now about conviction versus condemnation. And I, I, I'd like to see it in the Amplified Bible. There are certain things that I just make a whole lot sense to me, better sense to me from an Amplified. It just gives me more words to be able to put this into an understandable type of uh, way uh, of being able to take action on it so in uh, anybody got your phone you got you got that ability to flip over to different translation uh, come real quick bring that to me Revelation 319 I, 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 I've got a uh, King James version here with me and so I didn't want to read it from that but I do want to read it from the amplified version revelation 319 thank you you read it for me sister I'm gonna give you the one those whom I dearly and tenderly love I rebuke and discipline showing them their faults and instructing them so be enthusiastic and repent change your inner self your old way of thinking your sinful behavior seek God's will what does he say what he's doing in your life and thank you guys for finding that real quick because you can see it and I can expound on it from there. those what does God do Those whom I what? I dearly and tenderly love. love. Say God loves me. me. So people that he dearly and tenderly loves, what does he do? I tell their faults. That doesn't seem nice, does it? I told them their faults. Parents, you do this all the time. And that doesn't make you bad parents. You're telling your children their faults. No, it's not the only thing that you should be telling your children. You should be telling them how much you love them. But because you love them, you will tell them their faults. Do you know? How many of you remember the commercial that used to be? It says, "Good friends don't let good friends drive drunk." P- uh, or people who love you also tell you some of the things that you don't see. They tell you your faults. People who don't care a thing about you can let you keep messing up and will never tell you. There, are, uh, Oftentimes, uh, Elder Felix in here, you know, sometimes I get dressed in a hurry. I don't know that my collar is up. I I, I don't know that this is out of order. I don't know that my tie is crooked. Elder Felix is one of those people that'll just come up and start turning down the collar. He'll start saying, "Pastor, uh, adjust that. That's a bit twisted." In other words, he, he sees something wrong, but he wants—he wants the best. He wants the best presentation, and he knows he's not doing something to me. He knows he's doing what—something for me. And when you tell a person their fault, it's not that you you just slam them. I'm not talking about that. God, God tells us to be kind and be tenderhearted. Say it in a way. Say it in a tone that is helpful, but also point out the faults. And that's what conviction does. God is just trying to tell you there's something faulty with what you're doing here. And he says, I tell their faults and convict and convince. I reprove them may have to chasten them. See, sometimes, how many of you know that you've been missing it? You've, you've missed it. How many of you missed it in life? And you understood when God was telling you, you're missing it. Perhaps you didn't want to talk to this person. Perhaps every time you saw them, you, you, you had a scornful look, you had a, a distasteful kind of thing, and God says, you, you really need to go and talk to this you really need to go and forgive them. Folks, I, I am well aware that there are people who trespass against you. You didn't do anything wrong to them. They did something wrong to you. But God says, forgive them. How many of you know that Jesus did nothing wrong to the people who had him on that cross? But what did he say? You remember, don't you? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I know you get stuck with, but well, they knew what they were doing. <laughs> pastor, they knew what they were doing. Let's just say they knew what they were doing. Still, it doesn't change, because that's what Peter tried to get out of. He said, then how often should I forgive people? Seven times in a day? God, they're they're some jacked up people, That every time I see them, they're doing something wrong to me. Seven times in a day. And what did Jesus say to him? Oh, yeah, that's enough, Peter. Seven times is really enough. You're up to here now. No, he said what? Seventy times. I mean, you're in that person's presence a lot. (laughs) 70 times 7, and they're still messing up. But he says, forgive them. How many of you know any number that Peter would have given Jesus, he would have multiplied it? Well, how many of you know that any number that you're giving Jesus, he's going to multiply it? Because he's saying to you, my grace is sufficient to do that. My love is great enough to cover that. And my love melts a multitude of these types of sin. Well, I'm just sick and tired of them. Well, God wants you to get well. God wants you to get healed. And how will you get healed? Forgive. Forgive. And so he says, I convince, I reprove, I chasten, I discipline, I instruct them. So, what did he tell us? So be enthusiastic and in earnest and in burning with zeal and repent. Doing what? Changing your mind and your attitude. So what am I saying to you about conviction? All it is for you to do is to change your mind, change your attitude. What is condemnation? It's to get you to quit. Okay? Last one of these seven things that we would do. We'll go back to the PowerPoint, and we do the last one, and I'll give the benediction. If I get an impression, and I believe it's God speaking to me, Do I sense God's peace about it? Do I sense God's peace about it? Do you know the Bible says God will always give you what? A peace and a peace that passes what? All understanding. Whatever God is speaking to you, it doesn't pressure you to do it. It doesn't overwhelm you. And it truly does not confuse you. If it's God, you get a sense of peace. And the Bible says the peace that he gives, it, it just passes all understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 is the scripture that I'd like for you to, 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 to join in with me and find. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and verse 33. whatever translation you have, New Living Translation, amplify, but 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 33. And I know they're diligently going to uh, work to pull that up on the screen for you, but what God is saying, that everything that he's going to speak to you is going to bring a sense of peace to you. Even I look at Ananias, um, when God spoke to him, He still had a peace because he went to the street called Straight, and his mind, his mind was reeling because Paul had been pretty dangerous to anyone who was a believer. He was killing some. He was dragging others into prison. Now God is saying to him, Ananias, I want you to go down to a street called Straight, and I want you to lay your hand on this man named Saul. But he still had a peace. And You realize that Ananias was moving in that direction even at the same time saying, God, uh, you know how this guy is, don't you? And God is basically saying what? Uh, he's an anointed vessel. He's going to be mighty in the kingdom. Look at what verse 33 says now that they pulled it up. It says, for God is not a God of disorder, but of what? Peace. As in the meeting of God's, holy people. Every time God meets with his people, every time God meets with you, it's going to bring a peace on you. Every time God meets with you, every time God speaks to you, it's going to bring peace in your heart. If you're you're, you're putting all of these seven tests to, is God speaking to me? In the final, you're going to just have such a peace, and you're going to be able to move You're just going to be able to move. I I, I call it moving with the cloud of glory. Look at this in in Philippians. I want you to go to Philippians chapter 4 now. And I want you to go down to the um, the, the 4th chapter, uh, 6 and 7, verses 6 and 7. I probably say this, uh, I feel like I say it at every funeral that I've ever preached in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, find verses 6 through 7. Philippians chapter 4. New Testament, and we want to look at verse 6 through 7. I want to try to conclude this for you about understanding the voice of God. And just to get you ahead in that, the final scripture will be from the book of Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 17, Proverbs 22 and 17, but the first is from Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 6 and 7, and reading it says, this is where peace come in, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with all thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Next verse, please. Next verse, please. Moving forward. And the the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Everything that God's going to speak to you, I mean, your mind... You're not going to be restless. You're not going to be anxious. You're not going to be in a hurry. It's like what I like when Lester um, Summerall would say, you know, God spoke to him about ministry. He says, "Um, I took my time to let God put layer upon layer upon layer in place, and then I stepped out. Most people, when they feel like they hurt heard God, they think that it's boom. How many of you know that God shows you a thing from the end before the beginning? How many of you know that this building that you're sitting in, you're sitting in God showed somebody that before it was ever a foundation dug? And they came up with what? An architectural plan. And then from that architectural plan, a multitude of people had to be involved. You had to do have people who would excavate the ground. You had people who would uh, pour mortar and lay bricks. You had people who would run pipes and plumbing. You had people in the ceiling who would run ductwork. You had people who were electrician who would run wiring and all types of things. All of that coming into fruition over time. See, when we don't let God do what he's doing in our lives and brings us about a piece in it, your heart and your mind can get so... How many of you have, have a... The expression in the military used to have years ago, it's like, I'm running around with my head on fire. Anybody know what I'm talking about in a job? I mean, everything's coming at you we call it multitasking I call it you're in overload and there are a lot of people today you're in overload because you're really not letting God order your steps and everything that God's going to do he's going to order your steps and he's going to give you a peace about it you're not going to be worried you're not going to be anxious so I would if you didn't get all seven that you come back you sit down with me get all seven because this is something that I want every one of you as believers in this church to have in the front of your Bible. I want you to just have a nice little tight list of these seven things. Because in the era that we're living in, folks, we all need to understand what God is saying. Some of you, God is trying to get you to call people now. Folks, I I, I don't... It's not that I don't have compassion or empathy for you, but... Sometimes I feel like saying to people too late because they'll say, Well, you know, God told me to call this person. Well, they're dead now. Why didn't you? Were you disobeying? Did you not really clearly hear him? God told me. So if whatever God is telling you, if you just stop and go ahead and run through that, okay, is this God? Or is this just my own mind or my own feeling? But if it's God, I need to do something about it now. I am talking to my cousin. He said, God just directed my steps. And he did. God told him something is desperately wrong. And what did he start doing? He started calling people that he knew with people of prayer. And I think he knew, I need to get prepared. My brother is gone. It's been two days. And that's a lot like him. And he knew. I was working with these children who I was eulogizing their father on yesterday. And I know what I'm shaped for. I'm not saying what I'm shaped for, you're shaped for. But you have to know what you're shaped for. And I know how God gets me to connect with my neighbors. And God gets me to connect to my neighbors by cutting the grass. Mm. See, I'm glad he don't speak to me like that, Pastor. Though sometimes I am in my neighborhood and I have cut seven households. And I was cutting my neighbor's grass. I would finished. And i done it the same way I would do mine. It's a lawnmower, it's an edger, it's a weed whacker. Everything is precise, sharp. And when I finish, I wanted to quietly just walk back down. He's probably what, three, four houses down. I want to walk back down to my house, get in my shower, <laughs> and get in the most comfortable clothes I could find. But he would come to the door. Oxygen, tube in his nose, trying to say thank you. And the Lord says, Go in his house now. <laughs> it's like I'm sweaty. Now some of you you realize that if I'm sweaty, you wanted to shake my hand, and I will say, Oh no, 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 Pastor is too sweaty now. I can smell myself, but I don't want you to smell. But on that day, God says, Go in his house. I pushed my moor up onto the grass and laid down my big blower. I have one of those blowers that you put on your back and makes a lot of noise. I put my little weed whacker down, all the little fuel that I'd taken down with me. And I went in his house and I said, Jerry, his name is Jerry, give me a, a bottle of water. And we sat at his table. I said, ask him about his soul. And I began to talk to him. See, God will let you know when people are ready to be saved. There are many different ways of witnessing to people. Sometimes, yes, it's it's perhaps, a, uh, as we would say, an, an invasion on a particular geographic area. But most of the time, it's one-on-one, I believe. It's one-on-one where you're hearing God's voice to say, go talk to this person. And I went into his house, and half an hour later, I knew that I knew that he now had a right relationship with Jesus. Because he told me all about why he hadn't been to church in 30 years. What he was hurting over. What he had disconnected himself from. And we connected back to Christ. I cried a little bit, he cried a little bit. I got my stuff and went back home. I took the shower, cried some more. And it was no surprise when his daughter called me and said, Daddy's gone home. Because on that same day, God said to me, walking back to my house, It will not be long, and you will need to help his children. And my assignment is to help them not just to do the funeral, it's to help them to know Jesus Christ. Some of us, we miss it. We just think it's about going to a funeral. It's not about going to a funeral. It's about what you're supposed to do with the living the day after the funeral. The week after the funeral. The month after the funeral. Because you cannot go to him. I mean, they will not, as David said, they will not return to us, but we will be able to go to them. You need to be very tuned in to the voice of God right now. Some of you, these moments are coming for you soon. I don't mean that you're dying. I mean that there's somebody around you, somebody that you know, a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor. You know, time is flying and people are dying. And folks, there's no age limit on this. There are going to be some that are young. There are some that are going to be. But God is saying, now is the time to get people into the kingdom of God. Everybody say Noah. Noah. Say it again, Noah. Noah. Say it one more time, Noah. Noah. And I'm asking you to say that word Noah because I want it to spark a picture in your mind. Because what Noah was doing was telling people with urgency, come in come in a flood's coming who'd ever heard of COVID before a year or so ago some of you say well I've read it in my history books back in 1912 uh, 1918 area of time I certainly had heard the term COVID but I hadn't focused on it and God says but I want you and all these other ministers to know trying to get you guys to a place where you come in unity, where you come and pray, and I could have told you everything that you needed to do before it ever came in like a flood, and you could have raised up a standard. Let me tell you, I it because God says, I'm speaking, but it seems like nobody's listening. So I want you to know, as we close the service, God's speaking. Please start listening. I introduce the story or the parable of Mary and Martha because why is it that we're probably not listening? He's in our homes. He's in your heart. But perhaps you're distracted. And that's why the scripture says, a person, and Christians as well, you have to lay aside every weight and every sin that does so easily beset you so that you can run this race, so that you can hear. He who has an ear, let him what? Hear. And hear what? What the Spirit of God is saying. And I believe the Spirit of God is saying something to us about the fall. And I know you've heard in the, the world news, folks, we might be going back to Lockdown. We get the pleasure of talking to people in other countries quite frequently. And talking with friends in Israel, they're saying we're very concerned. Because yes, most of our nation had been vac- vaccinated and the variant came. And we started to see people who were even vaccinated dying. Folks, I'm not saying to you, uh, and, uh, let me just say this, yes, yes, When I preach, I don't have a mask on, but I'm encouraging you, still wear your mask. I'm encouraging you, still have some sense of this is not over, but have the confidence of knowing that it is a weapon that has been formed, but it won't prosper. But in doing so, I am not going to give any place To the devil. So I am going to hold my children close to me. I am going to ensure that we are not giving an opening to the devil. I am going to, at when I can, observe some distances. But at the same time, I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to continue to walk by faith and not by sight, because I, I believe I'll hear God. I, God will warn me of danger. God will, how many of you know the 23rd Psalm? And I loved <laughs> this preacher yesterday, he put it so eloquently, so eloquently that maybe I will close with it myself. And here's how he shared with us on yesterday, and I don't remember his name, so I, 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 will, I wanted to give him credit, but I just don't remember his name, but he's a pastor of a church called Berean Baptist Church. But he says this, he, sa- he says there, there was this um, Harvard scholar and an old man, and both of them were asked to recite the 23rd Psalm. He says the Harvard scholar got up first, and with all the enunciation, the proper pronunciation, The proper pauses for every comma was. And he recited the 23rd Psalm. And when he had finished reciting the 23rd Psalm, people applauded. Very well done. Very well spoken. And the old gentleman got up. Not all of the the enunciation corrects, some broken grammar. And he began, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And as he began to speak, reciting the 23rd Psalm, There wasn't a dry eye in the house. People began to cry. People began to lift their hands, shake their heads. And when he had finished reciting the 23rd Psalm, people stood up, gave him a standing ovation for a length of time. And someone asked, why is it that when the Harvard or Ivy League graduate spoke with proper diction, proper enunciation of every word, and all he got was a hand clap? And when this old man spoke and broken diction not always pronouncing every word correctly tears flowed down people's eyes and people stood up and someone said he said to the young man who asked the question well the Ivy League knew the 23rd song but the old man knew the shepherd. Every one of you need to know the shepherd. Every one of us need to know the shepherd. Every one of us need to know the good shepherd's voice. He's leading us. He's guiding us and he's certainly speaking to us. But you need to know him. That's what he says about his sheep. He says, my sheep, they know my voice. They know my voice. All I've tried to do for these past three teaching sessions is to get you to understand how you can be assured that it is his voice. There are biblical ways, biblical tests, and that's what God says, prove me. I want everyone to stand. We're going to close. I want to encourage you to continue to support the ministry through your tithes, through your offering, through your giving. I want you to know that those of you who are here. There are always three envelopes in your, uh, in the back of the pews and. One speaks about your tithes, your offerings. The other one speaks about a building program. And, and folks, as I said, I felt like I was on a track and I was moving toward this structure. And I knew that it was God saying, you guys are going to have to speed up because I'm trying to take you to this next place that you will have to and will need to minister to multitudes of people. And so I'm urging you through this particular time, yes, give, give every week. Give sacrificially if you need to or uh, can toward our building. That's above and beyond your tithes and your offering. That's specifically to a purpose, to a cause. Like David said, is there not a cause? There is a cause. There's something that we need to be doing to touch our community. You know, when we watch and realize that, uh, you know, 500, 5,000 people a month are being touched with food assistance, I'm knowing in my spirit that these same 5,000 people need to be touched with the gospel. And God is saying, your house must be ready. For that group, that same group of people to be able to come in and know Jesus, not just know about him, know him, and that we must be about preparing a place just like Jesus. Remember, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place. I believe that God wants us to prepare a place and that he's time is just speeding up. Time is just speeding up. I'm, I'm looking forward to having a, a conference with my family tonight as we begin to make preparations. But we, we all, I think all of us are sensing it's an urgency, it's an urgency, it's an urgency. And God will give you, he'll show you how to pace yourself so that you can fulfill what he's calling you to do. And I got it this morning. And I just said, thank you, Lord, for showing me. I, I, I like to go, folks. I'm, I, you get me going. Anybody remember the commercial energize the energized bunny? It just keeps going and going. That's, that's me and probably Miss Pat too. We're probably Mr. and Mrs. Energizer Bunny. We're always boom, 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 boom. And God says, but I want to get you in a place where you're going at a pace. And then I'm going to tell you to pick that pace up. I want you to be in shape, church. I want you to know your shape and be in shape so that when we say let's sprint, we sprint. This is one of those times where we start sprinting. This is time where we're picking up the pace. I love watching uh, races, perhaps a long distance race, where you see that person start off, and they say that's the pace setter. And you realize when that person starts changing pace, because he realized that some are going to drop off, but those that have gotten in shape, they're going to realize at the same time, I need to pick up my pace. I'm never going to win this race. And the voice of God is telling me that this church is soon going to be asked, pick up your pace. The race is getting faster. Lives, we must reach faster. Some of you, your own family members, you're going to have to be faster in reaching them. Lift your hands toward heaven. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunities that you're giving us. We thank you that we are your people. We are the sheep of your pasture, the sheep of your hand. We thank you that as your sheep, we know your voice. And we thank you for helping us to better understand that voice so that we can better understand the will of God for our lives. So we are going to be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in your work, God. We're not going to let the things of this world distract us. We're not going to let the cares of this world distract us. We're not going to get so focused on the recreation. Your word says to us, what's required of you? We need to do justly. We need to love mercy, and we need to be walking humbly before our God. And so, Father, thank you that your kingdom has come. Thank you that your will is being done here on the earth, just like it is in the heavens. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Go have a blessed day. Thank you for joining us at home on the streaming and uh, other platforms of social media. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website, at rainbowfamilychristian.org.